Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to stay with us and, and continue to watch this series that we're teaching on the book of Hebrews. The one thing I love about being able to do television that I cannot do sometimes when I'm traveling is that when I'm traveling I usually have like three services and I've got to pack as much as I can in those three services. But with television I can keep on teaching until I'm done. So uh, we are in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews and we're going to continue that study today. If you missed any of it you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch it on demand. More and more people are going to this YouTube channel and uh, it makes it phenomenal because it's, it's global. Anybody can watch it and, uh, and uh, it brings you up to date with where we're at. And so uh, go there and watch it. Uh, you can also go to our iTunes podcast and you can get the audio portions of it delivered straight to your smart device. There's also an RSS feed for Android devices for the audio portions as well. The easiest way to do any of that is simply to go to my website at lenhouse.com and there is a direct link right there from that to our YouTube channel and to our iTunes and to the RSS feed. So you can bring yourself up to date with what we're sharing here from the book of Hebrews. Before I do, I also wanted to mention, especially since we are getting in the holiday season, that I felt like it would be a good thing to offer, uh, you know, to tell you about all of our books. We sometimes are running an ad for one or the other, but I want to talk about my three latest books. Uh, and the first one uh, is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. These make tremendous, I think, Christmas gifts or gifts for any reason, stocking stuffers or whatever, because you give the gift of the gospel to somebody, or even to yourself as far as that goes. But I wrote this book on the book of Revelation in 2007, and if you've ever been afraid of the book of Revelation, and you're looking for an alternative to all the fear, uh, this book is for you. Uh, it'll provoke a lot of thought and dialogue, and what this book is about is, the title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And I decided if the title of this book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ, then this book must be about a revelation of Jesus. So I started preaching Jesus from this book. We preach bugs as big as Volkswagens and Godzilla monsters coming up out of the ocean, but it's really about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And to the believer, the book of Revelation is really about what you've been redeemed from. Uh, it will take a lot of fear out. This book was written, the book of Revelation was written to seven churches that were really in Asia, and they were the first century churches that were moving from an old covenant way of thinking into a new covenant, and the things he tells them to repent of is what brought them to a new covenant kingdom understanding. This book would be a real blessing to you. The second book that I wrote is called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And what we do in this book is we show you some of what we've been teaching from the book of Hebrews, and that is that the promised land is not a place, it's a person. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Christ, all of God's promises are yes and amen. And I also take this book and show all of the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day. And I show you that the Sabbath is not just a day of the week, it is rest in the finished work of Jesus. And every miracle that Jesus did on the Sabbath powerfully pictures something of His redemptive work. And uh, uh, it is from the Matthew 11, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? 
Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. You'll be blessed by that book. And the latest one that I wrote just came out in uh, this spring, and it's titled From Law to Grace, The Kingdom Paradigm Shift. And what this book is about, I think, is one of the most important pieces of work I've done because it marries the message of grace to the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, what I do with this book is I show you that John the Baptist preaches the message, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repentance does not just mean you need to get saved over and over again. It means to change the way you think or to turn about or to change one's bent. Many people have turned from law and they've turned away from legalism, but they have not turned toward anything. This book is not just about what you turn from, but it's also about what you turn toward. Because when you turn from law, the kingdom, if you turn toward the kingdom, then what you're going to find is that it is a government of living spirit instead of rules on rocks. It is a government of affirmation, while the old covenant is called a government of condemnation in Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, this book will help you make a shift from your understanding uh, from law to grace, it will bring you into an understanding of the kingdom, and you'll be blessed by that book. You can get any of these books. They're $18 each, and that includes shipping and handling. The shipping only costs as much anymore as the books just about. But if you don't want to get the books where you have to have them shipped, you can go to Amazon or any other area uh, where you can get the e-books and download the e-books to your smart device and get it. And so uh, you'll be blessed by those books and it would be a blessing to our ministry to help us take the gospel around the world. I want to get back in the Word this morning or today and come back again to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I want to talk about this incredible rest again. And like I said, so much of this is in some of my books that I would really encourage you to, to get them if you're being blessed by us. But let me just read uh, some of this. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And we talked about in the last segment that rest comes from understanding the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what this whole book of Hebrews is written to Hebrews in the first century to get them to shift from this law-based legalistic system to what Hebrews 13 says so that their hearts could be established in grace and in the new covenant. I can imagine it must have been an incredibly difficult paradigm shift to move from animal sacrifice and from circumcision and from divers washings and all the sites and sounds of this old covenant system. And now he's telling them it's time to enter into a different kind of a rest. And this rest is not a piece of real estate. It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it's rest from all the work and labor of an old covenant mindset. Laying down your works and labors and entering into, hallelujah, Christ where He begins to do the work in you. And he goes on to say, uh, for he spake at a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, God did rest the seventh day from all of the work that he had done. And in this place again, they shall enter my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter into rest. Uh, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day. And David saying today, after so long a time, 
Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, this is literally Joshua, had given them rest, then He would not have afterwards spoken of another day. In other words, if Joshua had given them rest, and the physical promised land was the rest He was talking about, He would have never smoke, spoke, sorry, He would have never spoken in another place concerning there remains another rest. In other words, the rest He's talking about is not a physical piece of promised land. The rest He's talking about is the rest that comes from entering into the work that has been finished from the foundation of the world, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And He goes on to say, There remains therefore rest of the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from His. In other words, when we stop thinking we can earn this thing by works and labor, but we enter into simply trusting and believing that what Jesus did was enough, we will enter into a rest, and out of that rest will flow milk and honey. A lifestyle, I believe, that's pleasing to the Lord flows from rest. Not works and labor, it flows from rest. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And I showed you last segment how that the, the only work of the new covenant, the disciples come to Jesus and they said to Him, What must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said to them, This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. So the only work of the new covenant is that you believe on Him whom He has sent. So when He's talking about laboring to enter into work, He's not talking about real, work real hard, get the work done, then you can rest. He's talking about, no, the work you have to enter into is what has been declared for the last two chapters, and that is mix the Word with faith. Because the only work of the new covenant is that you believe. That's the, He said, listen, labor to enter into that rest, and He's telling them, here's what you must do to work the works of God. Believe on Him. This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom the Father have sent. So when you believe on Him, you have done the work to enter into His rest. And then I want to, this is where I want to pick up today. For the Word of God is quick and powerful. Now this word quick here does not mean it's fast. It's an old English word that means it's life-giving. It's quickening. It's powerful. Now let me tell you again here that the context is not uh, just any word. It is the word that is flowing from rest. That's the context here. It's the word that's flowing from the finished work of Jesus. It is the work that's flowing. The context here is rest. I've been a lot of places where the word was not life-giving, and it was not powerful. It was dull, it was mutilating, and it was brutal. But the word that flows from rest, and the word that flows from the finished work of Jesus Christ, it's life-giving. Hallelujah. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of the heart. The word that flows from rest will reveal what's in your heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now before I get into the last part of this, let me just say, when I, in the early days of preaching the message of grace, man, I saw people begin to come out of the bondage of law and legalism, and they did just what I said in 
some prior teachings here just a few weeks ago. They first stopped when they came out of the bondage of law and legalism. Let's say like this, when they came out of Egypt, their first stop was the wilderness of sin. Man, I started dealing with things in people's lives, in the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church. And among people, I started thinking, man, all of this sin began to surface so much so that our critics would come and say, you guys are giving people a license to sin. And so I begin to get concerned myself. I take everything that's said to me, I take it to heart. When you have an audience this large, I certainly pay attention to everything pretty much that's said, you know, to make sure I'm not teaching something that's false. So I was driving down the road concerned about the issues of sin that seemed to be looseness in the church. And the Lord said to me, do you think there's more sin in the grace camp than there is in the law camp? And I said, well, Lord, it almost seems like it. He said, no. There's as much sin in the law camp as there is in the sin camp. It's just that they don't have to hide it anymore in the grace camp. Now they can really get some help. Because I begin to realize that it is not grace that makes people sin. As a matter of fact, Romans 7 said, When the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So it's not grace that gives sin power. It is law. 1 Corinthians 15 said, For the strength of sin is the law, but it's what we preach over American pulpits every week. See, to fall from grace doesn't mean you sinned. It means you went back up under law. Paul said, I'm afraid of you because you've fallen from grace and you've gone back to Judaism and you've gone back to circumcision. You've gone back to all of this stuff in the book of Galatians chapter 4. That's what falling from grace is. So I said, Lord, I'm concerned about the whole You know, there seems to be a lot of sin, not just among people, but even among some of the ministries. There seem to be, as it were, you know, a looseness and and like I said, they they the first stops the wilderness of sin because they're testing the waters of freedom. And I said, Lord, maybe I need to preach just a little bit of law. And the Lord said, No, don't you do it. Don't you mix law and grace. He said, the word you're preaching is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I said, Lord, really? He said, yes, son, because the word that flows from rest is revealing what's really in people's hearts. For the word of God is quick and powerful, but it's a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. So when you preach freedom from law and you put people in a climate of freedom and grace, what's really in their hearts begins to surface. And the Lord said to me, just stay the course because watch and see what happens again. And as I began to preach the Word, and it began to reveal what was in people's hearts, like I said, man, I started seeing stuff surface in people's hearts, and people began to test the waters of freedom. And uh, once again, he said, "There's anyway, the bottom line is there's nothing that's not naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do anyway. All we did under legalism was hide and cover up stuff that was really there. That's why you see, uh, uh, you know, people can't even hardly have relationships in Christian circles because we're afraid each other going to find out some secret sin we've got. And so we keep it all hidden and suppressed and there's no real transformation that takes place. What I'm preaching is not a freedom that will produce sin. It is a freedom that will produce transformation. See, because under law, you are conformed to this world, but under grace you are transformed. Be not 
conformed, but be ye transformed. See, what's the difference? Conformity means you take a set of rules and regulations, superimpose it on people, and you can get them to conform their behavior. But all they're doing is they're acting and act. And people have said to me a lot of times, I'm going to come to your church when I get my act together, to which I reply, if you get your act together, it's just an act. God's not interested in actors. He's interested in people coming to a place where they're real and not just conformed, but transformed. And sometimes, folks, this journey can be messy, just like it was when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, first stop. They just got free from bondage of slavery. They stop at the wilderness of sin to test the waters of freedom, except the water gets bitter there. See, God won't leave you, but your wife might. You might have your friends forsake you. And while God may even restore you in your salvation, it may cost you your ministry because, see, our relationships are both vertical and horizontal. And so your credibility, your trust levels may be shot. While God is, you know, not taking, He's not leaving you nor forsaking you. Uh, now you got a wife that hates you and kids you got to make house payments for and child support for, and your life is a wreck. But see, He's not bringing you out here so you can wreck your life. What we need to understand is when this word from rest comes and it reveals what's in your hearts, just like it did here, it's a divider between soul and spirit, between thought and intent of the heart. But once your heart is revealed, here's what he said then next. After the fact that we're, open, uh, that we're naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do, and our heart has been revealed. If you're watching me today and you've heard the message of grace, and boy, you, you, you heard it and you went wild with it and you turned, yeah, you turned from law, all right, but you didn't turn toward the kingdom. You need to get this book anyway. What happened is, is your life started to become a wreck and boy, you were just a mess. But see, what happens to happen at some point, you're going to discover it's not really your nature to sin anymore. And then you're going to come to the next step. And here's what we need to find out. Once we're naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do, sing then. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us, number one, hold fast the profession of our faith. In other words, don't back down from your profession, even though you've seen some things in your heart that's been revealed. Because what you need to do is realize that that's the whole purpose of grace is to reveal, not the whole purpose of grace, but that's one of the things that happens in the climate of freedom is your heart is revealed. And at that point, you need to come to a high priest that's passed into the heavens and not back down from our profession, for we have not a high priest, I love this, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne, watch this, not of judgment, but the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find a grace to help in the time of need. So what must I do when I come to this place of rest? When I come to this place where my heart is revealed, I'm a believer. I'm not going to back down from my profession of faith, but I'm going to realize I do need some help. That in this climate of rest, it's like I said, you know, when they came, the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin and they tested the waters of freedom, the water got bitter there. And I shared in a prior segment that well, there was some ingredients in that water that gave them severe diarrhea. 
I mean, it stirred up a stink, all right. <laughs> but what God was doing was trying to get all the mess out of their life. He was trying to clean them out from all the Egyptian diet. See, I believe God is really trying to do a deep work in His people that's not just a performance base, it's a heart level change. When your heart has been revealed and it's open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do, then the next thing we need to do is realize, man, I've got, you know what's wonderful about this wonderful Jesus is He's not only saved me, He's still saving me. He's my Savior every day. But He's a faithful high priest. In other words, my sin has been covered by His blood, so I can hold fast by profession of faith and not back down without wavering, even when I make a mistake. But what I can do is turn to Him who has also been tested in every way like as we are, yet without sin, so that He's able to secure us and help us in the times when we're going through there. And, 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 and so He's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be tested. Yet He did it without sin so that He is able to secure us or to help us in our time of need. So what should I do? Should I run from God? Here's what usually happens in failings. We quit God, we turn, we think we backslid, we think we've lost God. But see, He's saying, don't back down from your profession. I'm born again. I'm the righteousness of God. Listen, and keep telling yourself, speaking that word over yourself until faith comes and you'll begin to rise up out of it. But as you begin to realize He's touched in every way that you are so that you're not talking to somebody who's distant from your struggles, but who's a faithful high priest, who's able to secure you and bring you help in the time so that you can come boldly not to a throne of judgment but you can come boldly to a throne of grace and obtain not condemnation and guilt, but you can obtain mercy and find a grace that will help you in the time of need. See, I believe there's more real change that takes place in the climate of freedom and the climate of grace than there ever did under a message of conformity that has a show. It has a show of success. And boy, it looks like people preaching law have got it all together, but I promise you under the surface. And those of you listening to my voice right now know that what you're preaching is not even working for you. I, I, I get to the place where I'm not even a fighter anymore. I just want to be doc, like Dr. Phil and say, how's that working for you? I mean, you know, if it's working for you, knock yourself out. But when you come to be like the rest of us and you realize there's some human struggles that are in my life, yet I can still call it today. See, one of the reasons they could not call it today in Hebrews chapter number 3 is because of the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, their own mark missing, that's what the word sin means to miss the mark. In other words, their own mark missing kept telling them, you can't call it today because look at all of your failures. See, if we keep our focus on our failures, we're never going to call it today and enter into His rest. But the moment we quit letting our own failings be the deceitfulness that keeps us from calling it today, but we could say, but today, I hear His voice, today, I believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The finished work of Jesus. I'm entering into 
number one, the rest of what He's done for me and as me, but then I'm going to enter into the rest of knowing that it's Him that's still doing the work in me. He's a faithful high priest. And the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the ingredient that's missing from most people. In this book, From Law to Grace, I have a whole bunch of stuff dedicated to what it means to live under the government of living spirit, the spirit ruling and reigning in our lives. And I've seen God bring real transformation in lives in this climate of freedom more than ever through the law of grace. Now, we can bring back law and make it look like people are behaving, but I promise you, you're going to see some deep healing going on. And I, it's like my daughter-in-law is a doctor, and you know, I, the Lord said to me, boy, your daughter-in-law is a doctor. I said, yes, Lord. He said, there's a lot of sick people that come into her office. I said, yes, Lord. He said, uh, my house is the same way. People need help. And it is that uh, help of the Holy Spirit that really brings the healing and the change in their lives. And I, I love this uh, from, um, the, this is the message Bible in Romans 8. He said, God went for the juggler when He sent His own Son. He didn't deal with the problem of something remote and unimportant. In His Son Jesus, He personally took on the human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code was weakened as it always was, fractured by human nature could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of the deep healing of it. I mean, we got Band-Aids stuck all over people. I almost want to sing the song, I'm stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid stuck on me and then rip the Band-Aid off because we need to rip the Band-Aid of this religious law structure in order to see a deep healing. So the law always ended up being used as a Band-Aid of sin instead of the deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for but couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. That's the rest of God, is entering in to what the Spirit, instead of redoubling our own efforts and working and struggling and laboring, we need to call it today and realize I've got a faithful high priest who's been touched, who's going to deeply heal. See, I'm convinced that it's not just going to heal or change. It's not going to be a behavior modification program or a sin management deal. It's going to be the deep healing of the desire where I'm not just going to quit sinning. I'm going to lose the desire for it. I don't know about you, but I want to come boldly to the throne of grace, live out of a promised land of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and there will be an outflow in other words, there is a little flow of life, of milk and honey, of the best life on the planet. When I think of milk and honey, I think of the good life on every level. I want that for you today, don't you? Uh, man, you enter into His rest. I trust you've been blessed by this. Take a moment to call that number on the screen, if you would, and help us to take the gospel around the world. Uh, it is your faithful partnership. Consider becoming a partner today with us. You can do that by going to our website. You can set up a monthly donation if you want to on our website, or you can call the number on the screen. There's somebody there that will take your call. If you don't get an answer when you call the phone, please leave a message because we have a limited amount of staff, and we will get back to you as soon as we possibly can. But uh, you can uh, call that number on the screen. You could also write to us. And, uh, uh, and send as generous of an offering as you can to the address on the screen. Write it to Lynn House Ministries, and that is what helps us take the gospel 
around the world. Order these books. I believe they'll be a blessing to somebody, and I believe they'll be a blessing to you as you read them and understand. God bless you. Thank you for joining us again this week is our prayer. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.